and blue what do you do we got stories to see you through that time of the month that time of the month need a fix come get your kicks we got tales by kooky chicks that time of the month that time of the month Um, our next story is called Mother But Not Mom. I have two kids that I know of. Please welcome Kim Green. Can you make it shorter? Is that good? Yes, I think so. Uh, like Peter Gross and like she just said, I have two kids, but those are just the ones I know about. I'd love to tell you that I donated eggs for noble reasons, but the truth is, I sold them because I needed an engine for my airplane. It started as a crazy impulse. I was a young flight instructor with a very old Cessna 172. The engine was well past due for an overhaul. So one day between lessons, I logged onto the flight school computer and typed sell eggs into a now extinct search engine called AltaVista. <laughs> this was so long ago that Google with a little g was just a really big number. <laughs> what popped up in the site was um, a, a website for an egg brokerage service. I didn't have anything better to do, so I started filling out the information on the online forum. Height, weight, education, SAT scores, IQ, musical, athletic ability, things like that. This was way more fun than considering practical solutions to my engine troubles. I was gifted, I reminded myself. At least that's what a few teachers had told me many years before. Above average IQ, I typed. Full scholarship to a private university. Never mind that those supposed gifts hadn't come to much since college. I may have aced the SATs, but I was not acing real life. For most of my childhood, I'd harbored some absurd belief that I was special. But nobody told me that IQ and SAT scores don't really matter in the real world. Diagnosed with depression, I typed into the section titled Medical History. Below average height, severely myopic, genetic mutation on one foot that makes toes appear webbed. <laughs> Maybe my DNA wasn't so great after all. By 28, I'd recovered from the belief that I was special. I may have had a high dollar diploma, but like Amy, after graduation, I held a series of really crappy jobs. I cleaned kennels, drew blood, entered data, cleaned cat teeth at a vet clinic, waited tables at a country club, and for two years did nothing whatsoever in a state office cubicle. <laughs> You guys have had that same job. <laughs> All the while I was taking flying lessons. And then I finally landed the first job I ever loved, teaching people to fly. As an instructor with my own little green Cessna, I finally stopped feeling waves of shame when people asked me what I did. But to keep that new life in my little plane aloft, I would soon be needing a four-cylinder Lycoming 0360 factory overhauled engine, STAT, and that was gonna cost $12,000. I didn't have that kind of money. 
I was barely managing the aircraft loan payments, and I didn't think I could handle any more failures. By the time I got the call from an air egg broker a few weeks later, I'd already laughed at myself for filling out that online application and forgotten all about it. Someone is interested in your profile, said the voice on the phone. <laughs> I'm still not sure what made me agree to follow through. Certainly, it was one part financial need, one part desire to help a couple have a baby. But I think there was another vainer motive lurking deep down. Someone had chosen my eggs. <laughs> they had chosen me, which meant that maybe I was kind of special after all. I tore into the sushi place 20 minutes late to meet the prospective parents. My mental state was that of a train derailment. <laughs> the fertility drugs I was taking had thrown my reproductive organs into hyperdrive. Here are just a few possible side effects of these drugs. Abdominal swelling, pressure in the ovarian area, mood swings, temporary menopause-like symptoms, including vaginal dryness and hot flashes. These all occurred. <laughs> Basically, my body thought it was entering menopause. So I was not at my sanest as I sat down across from a 40-something couple I had never met. It suddenly crossed my mind that this was an extremely bizarre situation. I was being interviewed by people who wanted to reproduce with me. And it turned out they were both psychiatrists. I became hyper aware of how crazy every nervous tick must have looked to them. I couldn't seem to stop wiping my mouth with a napkin every few seconds or playing with the table pedestal under my feet. I was sure they could see right through my pitiful attempts to appear confident. I imagined them diagnosing me from across the edamame. Narcissism, low-level depression with obsessive and anxious tendencies. <laughs> Despite all of this, I liked them. They were reserved, but they were smart and unpretentious. They invited me to ask them questions, so I did. Why do you want to do this anyway, I asked. Why don't you just adopt, like Peter Gross did. The aspiring mom told me she'd given birth to a daughter three years before. They wanted another child, but she couldn't produce viable eggs anymore. She admitted to a gnawing fear that she might view an adopted baby with a terrible detachment. I don't consider myself a naturally maternal person, she said. Giving birth, she felt, might solidify the mother-child bond with an infant not really her blood relation. I could identify with that. I didn't see myself as maternal either, but here I was, soon to become a mother of sorts, if not a mom. It was a huge relief to know that the people tasked with nurturing my precious genetic potential seemed reasonable, kind, and a lot more responsible than I felt at the time. What a strange cosmic joke, I thought, that our bodies are best suited to procreation at a time when our psyches too often are not. The coupling of an unsettled 28-year-old's DNA with a 40-year-old doctor's life skills seemed perfect. I settled into our conversation, feeling good about helping such a capable couple add humans to a teeming world. And then I dropped my napkin. Bending under the table to pick it up, I realized that the thing I'd been caressing with my foot for nearly two hours was not the table pedestal. <laughs> I shot a stricken look at the man who would soon fertilize my eggs. <laughs> that has been 
Your foot, I said. I was wondering, he said. <laughs> Why did this man not move his foot two hours ago? <laughs> Maybe this was not such a good idea. Turns out I was unnaturally responsive to fertility drugs. My ovaries, at least, were overachievers. <laughs> the egg is the largest cell in the human body, my first year bio professor once said. It's actually visible to the naked eye. I've never seen one, but that's not for a lack of trying. That's also a quote from my bio. <laughs> I never saw the 26 eggs my ovaries manufactured that spring. That is above average, yes. <laughs> but I sure could feel them. By harvest time, my belly was the size of a zeppelin. The pressure on my lower back made it impossible to stand up straight. And all that spawning had produced incredible PMS-like symptoms. A few days before the procedure, I sank into an ugly mood. I was obsessively monitoring the news. Some boys had just shot up a nearby school called Columbine. Ambulances shrieked by. The world suddenly seemed a dark and inhospitable place for new life. I wept hormonal tears to the wails of sirens. By the time egg retrieval day came, $2,500 did not seem like such a great deal. Here's how they do the harvesting. A giant needle passes through your, yes, I'm gonna say vagina again in this story, vaginal wall and into your ovaries while you are awake. <laughs> I opted for general anesthesia. Yeah. I later learned that the man who let me fondle his foot all night at the restaurant ended up fertilizing 15 of my eggs. <laughs> the clinic implanted three of these embryos into his wife's uterus and two survived. Just after the new year, I got a photograph in the mail of two fat little red-faced babies. I couldn't see anything familiar in those tiny features, but then all babies kind of look alike when they're not yours. That was 15 years ago. I never heard from the couple again. If they ever want to get in touch, I'm game. But they don't owe me anything. My eggs weren't exactly a gift, after all. They were a happy quid pro quo that helped me keep my little plane airworthy and me in business. I figure the one real gift I can give that family is to keep quiet and let them be. My part of the job is long done. They're the ones doing the real work. Sometimes crazy impulses aren't mistakes. I smile when I think about the egg twins, just knowing they're out there. I wonder if they have my weird webbed toes or maybe an irrational love of air shows. Maybe they'll hit a rough spot in their 20s and worry too much about whether they're living up to their potential. And then they'll grow up, stop fretting, and navigate life just fine. Because hopefully, deep down, they'll know they're special regardless of their genetic liabilities. As for the other 12 embryos, they could be anywhere or anyone. <laughs> Spread the word, they're funny, smart, and so absurd. Happens every month, it's the neatest storytelling.